Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, hello again, and welcome to the show. Yes, guess what? We have another sponsored show by TD Industries. I'm going to tell you about them in just a minute. But to start off, let me just explain what this show is about. When the Phoenix Area Hospital Dignity Health planned for building a new hospital tower, one of the first priorities, of course, was to decide the project partners for this design, build, construction. So, today's show is about that project, and they coined the project as Building at the Speed of Trust. Now, we all know the book Stephen Covey's Speed of Trust, so that's where it came from. The concept is that in the book, it argues that projects can be completed much more quickly when each partner trusts his teammates to complete the tasks. Simple, right? So that's what we're going to talk about, how this is really true for the project. TD Industries, let me get back to them, for 74 years, that's a long time to be in business, isn't it? Of course, TD is one of the partners selected on this project, and they are the premier facilities maintenance service and mechanical construction provider based in Dallas. And their mission is to help customers achieve their goals through every segment of the building life cycle, engineering, construction, operation, and maintenance. So now let me introduce this fabulous project team who's going to share with us how they came together working on this exciting and sometimes challenging project for Dignity Health. So I'd like to start with Pat Wilson. And Pat is an area manager with Dignity Health's corporate real estate division in Arizona. They all came in from Phoenix today. Thanks so much. Uh, Pat's responsible for the planning, design, and construction of healthcare projects with a focus on acute care hospitals. Pat's a certified construction manager and has nearly 30 years of healthcare construction related experience. Welcome, Pat. Thanks for having me. Aha. Uh -huh. And then I'd like to introduce Lee. Lee O'Connell is the project director for McCarthy Building Companies with over 20 years of construction experience. You look so young. <laughs> <laughs> He's very well versed in uh, building design in design build i should say and integrated project delivery methods mccarthy building companies is the oldest privately held national construction company in the country with more than 150 years spent collaborating with partners to solve complex building challenges like this one on behalf of their clients welcome very excited to be here Thank good to you. have you lee and then eric eric 
Ubersax. Isn't that a great name? Thank you. <laughs> Eric Ubersax. Is that Russian? Uh, it's Germanic. Germanic. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm Italian. My husband's Polish. Eric is a senior project manager for Deveni Group. Did I say it right? You did. Deveni. All right. Um, and this group is 100% committed to health care. Eric is always thinking about the simple, functional necessities that can make the difference between a good or a bad day, a simple task, or a complicated chore. He understands health care because he lives it every day. Welcome to you, Eric. Thank you. And last but not least, Jay, going to talk about you for a minute. Right. <laughs> All right. Jay's with TD. Jay is the uh, Senior Vice President, Jay Layton, with TD, and he leads the operations in Arizona. Um, you are big in virtual design construction. You're going to have to tell us more about okay. that. And especially focused in how pre-planning and streamlining of processes can impact a project's likelihood of having a successful outcome from safety, financial, and customer satisfaction perspective. And that's our team today. Wow, what an incredible team. Where do I want to start? I think I'll start with you, Pat, because you're right here by me. I had me. a feeling that's <laughs> I can, why I, I can make out. sure you're going to do it right. I'm in the hot seat, okay. Do it right. <laughs> you know, Pat, um, one of the things that I think is important to talk about from the beginning is how this team came together. And just tell us a little bit about that whole thing. You've been together for two and a half years, I understand. Yes. And I can tell it's really a cohesive team. So yes. how did you come together? Well, um, Dignity Health is very process driven. Mm -hmm. And we have a, a, a tool that we use called the project delivery model. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's what I like about the project delivery model. It's flexible depending on the size and the needs of the project. So we sat down and we knew that uh, Chandler needed a new patient tower. And we knew it was roughly about 200 million, and we knew we needed to have it within about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. so, so with that parameter, we sat down, we said, okay, who are the most likely candidates that can help us achieve that goal? Mm -hmm. So we sat down, we made a short list of general contractors and a short list of designers. And from there, we said, all right, who's familiar with our project delivery model? And our stable was kind of small at the time, so we really only had a few designers and a few contractors that were part of our PDM. So we thought it was pretty crucial to try to have these people pair up. So if somebody didn't have the experience, they could get paired with someone that did have the experience. But we didn't want to force the issue. So we went to the community and we said, okay, we have four select architects, we have four select general contractors. You guys pair up and match your strengths to provide the best team for us. So that's what we did and we put it out there. How did you make that decision, Pat? Well, construction is very regional, and there were really not that many people we were comfortable with doing a project of this size in the Phoenix area. Mm -hmm. So we had to draw upon their portfolios and our personal experience with their, their, those people and their cultures. Um, so that's kind of where we went from there. Anyone want to add to that? Do we want to dive into the RFP a little bit, sure, Eric? Sure, sure. Tell so, us his story. Yeah. yeah. So, so Dignity Health sent out a RFP, which is a request for proposal, uh, to the, the architects and contractors that, that Pat had mentioned before. And uh, they, were, they were pretty well convinced and pretty prescriptive of what they were looking for. Uh, they had a concept uh, floor plan, which they really thought was going to serve them the best. And when we looked at it, we thought, 
there there could be a more efficient way uh, to to lay the building out, which would actually reduce travel distance, uh, help with the overall care delivery model uh, mm -hmm. that we know Dignity is looking for. Um, and we thought too that it could potentially save some cost in in the whole process. And so we looked at our our partner over with McCarthy and uh, said, we, we think we have a better option here. Even though they're telling us to go one direction, we think it would be of higher value, really, to, to present this as our, our primary option. So you're going to tell this man here that maybe there's a better way. Exactly. And he's the client. Okay, keep going. This is yeah. interesting. And so it put our, uh, our contractor partner in a really kind of uncomfortable <laughs> position. Yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in here. The uh, Pat mentioned um, the way Dignity does uh, the design build, but in a traditional project, the architect uh, may be selected first and then the, the builder second. Uh, with this being tied at the hip, um, we really let the architect take the lead in this process. And for us, it's very uncomfortable to, to kind of surrender this, this uh, uh, you know, the direction of which the project was going. And when they came to us, we were even very, very, uh, you know, worried that what, what would the client think? And so when, when the, uh, when the option comes up to present something um, different, we thought, what's the client going to hear? And through, it was not an easy decision. It took a few days, if not a week, mm -hmm. before we digested it. And where we ended was to do both. And, oh. and what we really realized as a team, we were committing to do double the work in same amount of time in order to respond to the RFP requirements. I, I have to ask, Pat, what was going through your head when someone would say to you <laughs> that are buying <laughs> the services, oh, we've got a better way? Yeah, um, it, it was... <laughs> It was pretty interesting at first because we were fairly convinced that we like this certain layout and a certain design, and we advised all the people that were competing that competing that we're pretty convinced this is in our best interest mm -hmm. to follow this path. But we did leave the door open and say, however, if you have a better mousetrap, we'd be willing to, to hear it out. So I'm, I'm going through the proposals, and, and we, had, we had to review the proposals before the actual interview, and I'm through three of the four, and I finally get to these guys. And, uh, These guys. I, yeah. and, and, and that's kind of where I was. And, and I open it up. And I go, okay, there, there's the design we asked them to do. And then I flip the page. And instead of seeing more elaboration on that design, I see a second design. And it was like, oh, crap. <laughs> These that guys really aren't. Yeah, yeah, it is, literally. And I said, oh, no. I go, well, they kind of went off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. um, and once I got over that initial reluctance and annoyance for lack of a better term <laughs> um, I kind of slept on I said okay I'll give this a chance hmm. so when I went through the the proposal and actually saw the merits of what they were proposing mm -hmm. I actually thought it was a better plan than what we had and I thought this is very gutsy and I'm glad they did this mm -hmm. because otherwise we will continue down that path and you know the old cliche we don't know what we don't know right. so they showed us something that we didn't know and uh, it was actually a better plan and that's what opened the door for these folks that's that's really very cool mm -hmm. and what i love about it is anyone can take this leadership aspect of what just happened first of all you all came up with something you really did believe in and you had the guts mm -hmm. to share your voice and your opinion because you really did have the client in mind that's number one how many of us have the guts when we've got a better idea to say wait boss or wait client so that's great mm -hmm. and then you pat 
you were good enough to have an open mind. Absolutely. You've yeah. been doing this a long time. Yeah. You know that process worked. And yep. And you have to – sometimes we don't know everything. And even mm-hmm. though we steer somebody in a certain path, if they have a better idea, we would like to hear it. So we want to foster that culture. And it's working two yes, and a half is. years into yep. it. Absolutely. When is it going to be completed, Pat? Uh, what do you think you're going to complete? <laughs> <laughs> oh, on the spot. February 21 is the new tower. <laughs> yes. And then December of 21 is the renovations? Correct. Now explain what this project is, the tower. What is it? It's a full basement, five-story above grade, patient tower, uh, um, about 225,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. We're adding 96 beds, and we're going into the renovation phase, and we're moving PACU and pre-op out so we can make more room for additional operating rooms. So we have six new operating rooms and two shell OIRs. Okay. So we're vastly increasing the capacity of the facility. Great. That's great. All right. Um, now, after the team was selected, congratulations, <laughs> I know you had a lot of constraints, money constraints, to the tune of $20 million. That's is that the r- reduction we asked them to make after we awarded them the project. All right. <laughs> yeah. And what about that? Minor detail. Minor yeah. detail. Yeah. So, you're <laughs> so you're asked um, to, to cut... $20 million. How did you do that? What happened? Who wants to take that one on? Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Is uh, We really, um, from the beginning, had a, what we refer to as hold the line mentality. And when uh, Dignity Health asked us to do that, um, one of the things we made very clear was the expectation. Um, this, this was coming down. We understood uh, it, it, it had to be. But the best thing we can do is is respond in a way to provide the client and the team options. And when the expectations are clear is we, we can't go back and get additional money. And, and the expectation is we still needed to meet our deadline. And in order to go ask for the capital funding, it really kind of creates this this structure of without a safety net, we have to go. We, and, we, and not only do we have to go, we have to hold the line as we move forward. So um, I really um, commend the team for having a, a to really own this. You know, th- this, was, yeah. this was not just Dignity Health's problem. This was, this was our problem. And, and when you turn around and look at it in that, in that light, you're gonna do whatever you, you have to do to make the team successful. And within probably two weeks, we were able to get the budget back in line. And it call it the on, all hands on deck, call it the swarm. We, we did that. We did it with the uh, Dignity Health user groups. So this wasn't um, just a few individuals uh, making decisions. It was quickly done uh, with a lot of input from all the different stakeholders. Um, and we got to a really great spot. And from that, from that initial point, we have remained consistent and held that line flat to this day. That's that's not easy to do, is it? <laughs> do you have any comments on that, Eric, from the well, what, what architect? What we realize um, with with any traditional project that there's really two answers to any question, right? And typically it's it's yes or it's no, right? Um, <laughs> can we do this? Uh, we've been awarded the project. Uh, can we do it for $20, $20 million less than what we proposed on? 
And so what we quickly realize is that there's, there's really three answers to each of these questions, right? It's yes, no, or it's yes, if, right? And so when you go to a yes, no type mentality, you, you really focus on if the answer is no, why you can't do it, right? Whereas if you shift that to a, a yes, if, Mm-hmm. and understand, okay, I can do this if X, Y, Z happens, then the, the focus of the conversation really becomes on the solution, the options, the how are we going to do this versus the um, why we can't do it, right? And so the te- whole team embraced this mentality of, mm-hmm. of problem solving and really looked at, yeah, how, we, we can do this if XYZ, and that's where we started to develop lots of options. We talked with Pat and Dignity Health to understand, okay, what what is of value for this project? How can we define that value and what's important? And from there, we're able to provide uh, the design that ultimately met the budget. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, that that happened early on in the project because it really did continue on throughout the entire design process. Every time we were faced with an issue, it was that yes-if mentality, and you know, all the stakeholders got together, understood why the decisions were being made they were the way they were being made, and I think that really benefited that hold-the-line mentality throughout the process. I, I'm just sitting here um, fascinated. Every time I have guests and they're talking about their business, I'm relating it to mine mm-hmm. right. and, and our listeners. And just the, the words themselves, thinking about, well, yes, if when someone comes – Example, someone comes to me and says, well, Valerie, um, we need to cut the time. We've hired you for a whole day workshop, and now it's going to be two hours. That happens. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm going to remember that you're saying, well, yes, if instead of, my gosh. (laughs) Right. It's a great great thing to remember, yes, if. So I love that. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Was there any one particular... Um, solution that that um, really made this happen above others. So I'll I'll take that one. The uh, and we talked about this last night. Is it, we we were all kind of we we wish we could uh, promote a silver bullet, but there's <laughs> there's so many what we call mini wins out there, and it was five hundred thousand. It was a million dollars. It was on the mechanical trade partner side, it was on the architecture side, it's on the general contracting side, it's on the dignity health side. So with everyone contributing, mm-hmm. um, and, and we can go through the, the list, but I, a staggering number is we proposed over $50 million, which is at the time was almost a third of the project in options valid options for the for the owner to consider hmm. and pat also had a yes if scenario to go back to his client which is the facility itself mm-hmm. and and say due to the capital constraint we can do this if and and to our surprise there was a lot of you know that that is a great idea what you know why why didn't we we think of this originally and then the uh um you were talking about the innovation it was amazing to see that even if an option didn't work, it opened the door for even another option we didn't know that was out there. So that that really, um, it was just this innovation incubator that that just kept kept coming out with with uh, really everywhere we looked, mm-hmm. we were able to scratch and claw and start reducing the budget. And another thing I would just wanna talk about, which is very important um, to any project you're gonna do, you have your controllables and your uncontrollables. 
And our team um, really managed the, the, the external risks of the project and saved the project, saved about $5 million from external risk factors entering the job. So as much as it's all about, you know, kind of, you know, always looking at it, what's under your umbrella? Well, we really collectively looked at what was on the, on the outside and, and managed the risk from entering the job. And it was, it was due to a number of things, but again, just very proud of, of when, when Pat comes down with hold the line, it, it's, it's all across the board. And it's what every one of the team members was able to do. Well, well, and just from a, a timing perspective, right, the leadership to, to have all those partners on board and yeah. involved from an early stage. I mean, I think you mentioned there were 12 design build partners on the project. A lot of them were at a very, very early stage in the process to enable us to um, solve a lot of those problems up front. Mm-hmm. So. How many people total are on the project besides the four of you? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so total from a design and pre-construction, this doesn't include everybody that's out actually building the project, is uh, somewhere between 100 to 150 people. So we were surrounded by experts, uh, all that had various ideas and opinions on, on how to do it better. Right. I just want to take this time to thank all those partners who were, <laughs> yes. who were in this two and a half year be journey. Because um, we're just uh, four individuals representing an incredibly large and great team. And that's nice to do. That's really nice. I'm thinking, too, about um, you as a team. (laughs) We had lunch just before we came on the air, and they were talking about how they um, decided to come together and go through the interview process to even get this opportunity with Pat and Dignity. So who wants to tell us about the silly thing you did, but it worked? (laughs) Yeah. You so, want to talk about it? What did they did do? Did I do the silly thing? Yeah. <laughs> you had to listen to yeah. the silly yeah. thing. I, so, T.S., what was going through your mind? Tell us what it was. Well, um, <laughs> everyone's nervous during a proposal, especially an interview, and, and it, it can be very nerve-wracking. And none of us are professional speakers. So, you know, we're builders or we're designers or we're, you know, contractors, and that's our forte. Mm-hmm. And to be put into an interview situation, we're, we're fish out of water and nobody's comfortable. Um, so <laughs> Lee was there and I was trying to, you know, we, do, we had to bring in four different teams in a four hour period. So it was bang, 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 you know, kind of have to get everybody's in, input and make a decision. And, and how long of a time? You bring these four people in and for, they do their? For about 45 minutes 45 for each minutes, team. 45 minutes, okay. Yeah. So, so we're very regimented and we had one senior vice president whose time was very limited. Um, so we had to be on a very strict timetable. So I walked up to Lee and I didn't really know him. Um, so I said, oh. hi, and I said, uh, <laughs> by the way, I'm the time Nazi. And if you go over, I will have to stop you. And I was thought I was being humorous, but he didn't know me well enough and it was kind of a deadpan delivery. <laughs> so you can take it from yeah. there, Lee. It, uh, <laughs> it made me in- incredibly, incredibly nervous, but the, uh, uh, the the good news is we were able to to get in the interview um, and really demonstrate all the the kind of innovation on what we're talking about. But the you know do you want to talk about the the, newspaper. the, the end of oh. the interview because Pat Pat mentioned the, these are sometimes pre- and you guys had sat through three previously, but where we ended the interview, yeah, what you we, we really that. wanted to kind of extend the the interview experience. Um, well past the interview. We, we recognize that everybody that, that Dignity brings to the table, to have a seat at the table, um, 
is likely qualified to do a project of this scale. Uh, so we really look for differentiators. Um, we, we wanted to show them that as a team, we have fun together and likewise uh, would have fun together with Dignity Health over you know a three-year span for a project. Uh, so we put together this kind of fake newspaper that was dated at the end of the project. Uh, had a lot of articles in there as far as the success of the project and uh, had some fun things about our, our budget guy, Brock Huttenmeyer, um, does everything in pie charts, right? And so we had a little um, editorial from him on a recipe for the right way to bake a pie, right? Uh, so really <laughs> we wanted great. to extend that and show that, hey, you know, not only are they qualified, but we're going to have fun with them. And these are the. This is really the team we want to spend the next, you know, three years with. And I'll I'll just add the the speed of trust equation is trust yes. goes up, speed goes up, and cost goes down. Well, there's another element. Fun goes up, yeah. and yeah. and that is uh, one of the things I'm very proud of. This team is. Uh, as Pat mentioned, this is a tough business, mm -hmm. and to be able to, to do it with some great partners but have some fun along the way has also changed the outcome of this job. I think that's mm -hmm. really interesting. You know, I was just um, speaking to a group of college kids that were getting ready to graduate, and they asked me the question about, well, how, how can I successfully interview? And I was sharing with them what kinds of things they could do to stand out. And I can't help but wonder, in some part of what you did, wouldn't that be an interesting differentiator for a young person going on to an interview, maybe to do a little video that was fun about them? Because we hire people, don't we, yes, Pat? We do. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not, not what you, you hire the person first, then what they do. And yes. So what was going through your mind after you'd heard three other teams, and then you saw this? Uh, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. Um, uh, I really was. Um, w there was a, a team that was probably the team to beat, and uh, these guys stepped up, and they offered things that nobody else did. Hmm. And uh, they did it in a way that we felt comfortable with them. And to Eric's point, the, the newspaper and stuff demonstrated that we could have some fun because this can be a stressful mm -hmm. project, it can be a stressful industry. And if you don't feel good about the people you're working with, if you're not having fun, what's the point of doing it? That's right. So that, that weighed heavily on us when, we, when they left the room, we started taking the votes. And you're still having fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How interesting is that? Uh, what type of, I'm thinking about just leadership in, in essence by itself, Lee, talk to what you think some of the attributes and qualities uh, mm -hmm. of leadership are needed to facilitate trust mm -hmm. in this kind of an environment. Yeah, the, that's a great question. And I, I do want to, um, I'm going to start by acknowledging our owner's representative. Uh, one of the things in, um, we, we call it, we refer to it as the three-legged stool. And that is the general contractor um, or the design builder in this case, the architect and the owner. Um, Pat and Dignity Health were as accountable as any other member on the team. Um, and I'll just point out a few things. We never missed a date. Uh, Pat's, wow. Pat and his team, and also thank you to the uh, facility with their leadership to have the same mindset. So um, as we were all held accountable, uh, the owner was held equally as accountable. And when you have that 
environment and everyone is mm -hmm. that accountable, trust goes way up is because you know you're not going to miss dates. You know you're going to get the input or information you need. And that really helps us go from point A to point B the fastest in, in the trajectory we're going. So I will just uh, say thank you, but that was a, uh, a real amazing experience to work with an owner who, who was, was treated, treated themselves as, as they, they treated us. And I just That's want to kind of tag on to that too. So, um, as Lee mentioned, you know the the facility, these design meetings that we have very early in the the process, can have upwards of of twenty different individuals, right? Doctors, nurses, um, you know, some of the maintenance folks or facilities folks, as well as owners, designers, and this isn't their full time job, right? This mm -hmm. is our full time job, but we're asking them to take some time away uh, from delivering healthcare. Uh, to help design this hospital with us, right? So it's a huge commitment from the, the hospital. And to Lee's point, they never missed a date, right? We were very aggressive with our schedule, yes. very demanding of the, the buy-off that we needed. We built these uh, full-scale mock-ups of uh, probably about, what do you think, probably 60% of the, the spaces in the mm -hmm. hospital uh, very early in the process, much earlier than we've done on any other project. But everything we want to do is bring certainty to the design early on in that process, right? So if we have that certainty and that buy-in from the facility, then we're much more likely to succeed as we, we move forward. Uh, so it was a huge commitment from the facility uh, to be able to keep up with the, the pace that we had requested. And again, it came down to that yes if uh, statement, right? As far as, hey, can we get this design process done in six months? Yes, if we get the, the commitment from the facility. And again, they, they held fast to their commitment and put us in a, in a scramble at times. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> we recognize there's a big ask, the timetable and, and dollar amount. So we also realize the only way this is gonna happen if we actively participate in that. We had the same standards internally as we required of these folks because we thought it's only fair. That's that, Well, that's true. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about, um, Eric, architecturally mm -hmm. in hospitals today, since you live in them, uh, what, what is most important or different maybe in caring for patients and how you draw up the architectural plans for hospitals today right it's really about the patient experience uh, you know we we value we look at what we call the seven flows of medicine right and the the first flow is obviously the patient and that's top priority what are they experiencing in this oftentimes you know very stressful situation right so we're, we're leading much more to kind of the hospitality type model uh, where it's not so institutional it's warm uh, it's caring uh, as far as, you know, family members coming in, we want to provide a space for them uh, to be with their loved ones. We, wanna, we know it's stressful for them as well. So are there areas where they can uh, kind of get away for a little bit and unwind? Um, healing gardens, you know, everything oh, very kind of nice. soft touch. Uh, again, to make that experience very, very positive when it's often stressful. We also look at uh, the providers, right? And so they're on their feet. Uh, all day long, and uh, one of uh, one of the big advantages of our kind of what we called our T solution versus the triangle was that it had shorter travel distances. Now, what do you mean T? So um, again, the two options that we had proposed 
there was the dignity kind of concept option that was a triangle and then we looked at hey can we reduce the square footage reduce the travel distances in this other option that again would make their delivery of health care more efficient you're not as far away from supplies you're not as far away from the patient uh, much easier to check in and and not putting miles and miles on you know the nurse's feet mm-hmm. interesting little thing like colors mm-hmm. colors make a difference what are the colors you'd put into hospitals today Eric, you want to speak to that? As well? <laughs> I'm not a color guy. <laughs> so, so I usually get in trouble when I yeah no I usually get in trouble when I suggest. So colors. so we worked with dignity, um, probably about three years before this project came on board to standardize uh, what is the dignity brand right? Uh, there's the Hello Human Kindness campaign that the dignity released, and as part of that. Uh, we worked with Dignity to standardize various palettes of, of colors for facilities. Now each facility can kind of has a menu of options to choose from, uh, but again, it's a, a standard palette uh, that again is, is very warm, very embracing, um, you know, to really complement uh, the healing environment. What is it? Is it peach? Is it yellow? Is well, it? We have three different palettes that we okay. condone, for lack of a better term, and we allow the each facility had flexibility to select one of those three palettes. And then within those three palettes, there are subtleties within the colors and the shades and everything like that. So, so no detail goes unnoticed. Correct. I'm correct. going to look at hospitals entirely different. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid I have to be in one. Yeah. Jay, I'm curious about uh, your part of all of this. What's been the most challenging from your, your area? Uh, well, you know, it's been rewarding and challenging at the same time, uh, being a part of the team. Um, you know, from a, from a, as the mechanical contractor, we're sort of the protectors of what is really the largest budget um, involved in the project. So uh, that hold the line mentality was, was uh, a big part of, of our, our progress. Um, you know, what was interesting and unique in, in, this, uh, in this project, and I think is, uh, again, goes to the leadership of Dignity and, and um, their foresight to allow the general contractor to set up the contracts the way that they saw fit um, is that McCarthy, you know, reached out to us early on, um, along with Cannon and Went, our electrical trade subcontractor, and asked, "How would you like to have the the um, the engineering uh, trade consultants set up? Would you like them to be under your contract or under the architect's contract, like a more traditional delivery model?" And we we op- opted to to have them under our contract, and I think. You know, from a hold the line perspective, from a budget perspective, um, from a schedule perspective, it allowed us to do a lot of innovative things um, that that you know kept us on schedule and budget uh, through the course of the project. Um, so that 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 was you know our, our primary involvement, um, and and again, I think it goes to the the leadership of the group that really set up the foundation for that culture for us to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, so for those of us who don't know a lot about what the different things are, you said you were able to do some innovative things in your area. Like what? Well, I think just, you know, working, you know, for instance, we, we had the, the trade partners and, and the designers working in all in the same design model along with the, the architects. Um, that facilitated a lot of quick decision making, facilitated a lot of um, system optimization from a budget perspective uh, mm-hmm. allowed us to really have a lot of involvement. Um, our, our consultant partners at WSP, um, you know, sort of uh, worked together with us to, to both 
meet the design intent um, of, of the of the what the hospital's expectation was, um, and and still allow us to come in and and provide our, provide our input um, from a cost savings and, and constructability perspective. So having those things streamlined, mm -hmm. I think, is what really allowed us one to have an impact and influence over the budget, and two ultimately to, to reach the schedule expectations. We, we were able to um, really have a, 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 a much further along work product at, at a CD stage than what you would typically have, a construction document stage than what you would typically have on a normal project, which then lends itself to um, the opportunity to do a lot of planning, a lot of pre-planning, yeah. which is where we're, we're at right now on the project. We're seeing the, uh, the benefits of, of all that work and time um, you know, translate into a lot of prefab, prefabrication for the project. So that's where that opportunity really um, is starting to show itself. Mm -hmm. and, and again, it goes back to the leadership decisions that were made very early on in the project from how the RFP was issued, how it was responded to, um, and then sort of the empowerment uh, that, that both Dignity and, and McCarthy allowed the trade contractors to go and figure out how to do this, do it the best way you know how, and come back to us with this, this product, and, and that's what we did. And to Joe's point, um, the leadership really set the, the goals for the project as far as schedule, uh, what the deliverables were, uh, but then we, we really facilitated kind of a ground up uh, type mentality where the people actually doing the work and the empowerment of those people uh, to make those decisions again going back to trust right we trust our yeah. partners here they're going to get the job done properly in our time i'm not going to tell them how to do it uh, the folks that know how they're going to mm -hmm. deliver this project need to tell us how they're going to do it so i'm thinking uh all of you and i'd love for all of you to weigh in dallas has just got the booms everywhere <laughs> it's it, you know it's building everywhere many of our cities are it's a good time economically and when I see these big holes in the ground <laughs> and something big is going to come up I've often wondered I wonder what the biggest mistakes might be or the biggest challenge just in the physicality of putting something like this up so who would talk to what really goes on Oh wow! Mm. Yeah. That's an ocean question. A, a, That's an yeah, ocean yeah. question. Yeah. From a, a planning perspective, one of the the biggest challenges we had uh, from the start was just the speed that we were going to have to go. Mm -hmm. uh, a typical design process will have the architect meeting with the owner. Uh, we'll come back. We'll make some revisions to our drawings. We'll pass them to our other partners. We'll get asked for feedback from a pricing and constructability from the contractors. And uh, once they gave that to us, what we realized was we were already on to the other iteration of design, right? We were moving so fast that we weren't allowing our, our partners to uh, influence the design, right? So the budget was becoming very much a consequence of the design, where rather we'd like the design to be a consequence of a budget, right? Okay. We want to be able to design something that's within budget. So we kind of had to take a step back. We had to re-baseline. Uh, we, we employed a couple other um, deliverables on a weekly basis, for example, we'd publish exactly what changed in the design from the week before. And so weekly you did that? Weekly we yeah. did that. So instead of looking at a full 215, 225,000 square foot facility, we were able to focus on the 3,000 square feet that changed. Right? And so then we were able to get timely feedback 
in order to, again, influence the design, make sure we held that line uh, rather than, you know, going down two months down the road and understanding, oh, we've got a real budget problem. Mm. So from a planning perspective, that was a, a big challenge that we were able to overcome. And I think it's decision-making, too. And I mm -hmm. think the process that was laid out um, really facilitated quick decision-making. We had, mm -hmm. you know, all the necessary stakeholders um, in the room having those conversations so that we could make quick decisions. And, and to, you know, to Pat's credit, when something, when a decision needed to be made, if there was some gray area, it was pretty quickly eliminated. And, and a lot of times that's what a team needs just to keep going. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So the ability to have someone that can make those decisions quickly um, and, and move on, um, that's a lot of times, you know, when you see those holes in the ground and they seem to be struggling to get out of them, it's because a lot of times there's, there's decisions that are, that are struggling to be made. I have wondered about that. Yeah, lack of information and lack of decisiveness mm -hmm. can really throw a monkey wrench into a plan, and that's what we tried to, to focus on was give these guys the direction they needed, give them the guidelines, and let them run because we trust them and we know they're capable. Just provide the parameters that they need to play under and mm -hmm. run with it, guys. And they're doing it running. Yep. <laughs> I've got to go to some personal stuff. <laughs> Pat. Uh-oh. <laughs> How did you get into the business and why? How did I get into the business? Well, I started college as an electrical engineer. Mm -hmm. and uh, Where'd you go to school? I went to Lawrence Tech back in Michigan. Yeah. And uh, after the first year, I was looking at all the math I would have to take. <laughs> and it just so happened that on my college campus, they were starting a new building, which really got my attention. Hmm. And then I realized, oh, they have a construction engineering program. So I like the feedback. I like to visually see the results of my efforts, and I like to be part of a bigger picture so that's when I made the jump and the hmm. Dean of Electrical Engineering got very upset with me when I went over to the, the <laughs> consultant the, I bet. yeah so it was kind of a competition between the two deans and he just said I got another one of your guys so that's what it is I, I like the feedback I like to see the results of my efforts and in construction we can all say that yeah. we, you know I can drive by mm -hmm. you know my neighborhood and say I was part of the team that helped yeah. help build this hospital and it's very rewarding for me. It can me. be I'm, a legacy almost. Absolutely, absolutely. And is there any one aspect of the work daily, the work daily, that you like more than the others? I like the challenge of you know, every, every project that I've done is basically a prototype. Each mm -hmm. project in construction is unique. We're not, we're not mm -hmm. cookie cutter. Even though you're very similar, there's always new things, geographic, regional. I mean, we had soil conditions that, you know, somebody 20 miles away doesn't have to deal with. We almost had to put in seismic bracing in Arizona, which is a given in <laughs> California. But in Arizona, it was like, oh, we don't wow. want to go there. Uh -uh. So we took it and you know, we said, okay, what can we do to get ourselves out of that? And we investigated and with the team, we just decided to make a bigger basement so that the, we were on more stable soil so we wouldn't have to do any of the seismic bracing or anything mm -hmm. that becomes a nightmare down the road for somebody trying to operate a hospital. Every time you pop a ceiling tile with seismic bracing, you got cables, you got Unistrut, you, you can't really function very well. So hmm. we had that challenge that, you know, a hospital 20 miles away didn't have to deal with. And I didn't realize we'd have to do that because I'd been on that campus before and it wasn't a requirement. Codes change, new challenges arise. And mm -hmm. we just work together and say, Okay, yes, we can get around this if you're willing to 
Build yes, a bigger yes. basement. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes I am building. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, so I get we got we you know, it was kind of win win. We got additional square footage, and we didn't have to deal with the seismic bracing. I'm sure these guys are helped their schedule tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. To deal interesting. With yeah. Yes. Very yeah, interesting. Okay, I'm going to ask the same question of all of you. You get to have more time to think <laughs> about it. What about you? Uh, where I started in how the did industry. You, how did you decide you wanted to do what oh, you're doing? Man. Uh, well. I will give my mother a shout for this because she always uh, recognized I was a Lego maniac and whether it was Lincoln Logs <laughs> or anything like that, it was kind of in my DNA since the beginning. And when I went to college, uh, I entered engineering and uh, I found out there's a construction management program. And that's how, that's what I did growing up between landscaping and roofing, you know, being in the trades. Mm-hmm. And so it was a almost kind of a natural fit. Um, from Legos to uh, yeah, yeah, from Legos to what I did on on summer jobs to construction <laughs> management and mowing lawns and and everything else you could do, and it's really um, I'm very lucky to have found my passion early, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's been uh, I've been with McCarthy 16 years uh, since school and it's been uh, it's been an awesome ride, so just uh, uh, thank you to my, all my partners <laughs> um, who give me this opportunity every day. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So I, I had uh, the uh, real fortunate ability to um, travel when I was young. And um, from that, I really developed an appreciation for how the built spaces could affect ex- experiences. Um, to who, under- who would notice? I mean, that's interesting right there. Who, I wouldn't <laughs> notice things like that when I was traveling, but go ahead. Uh, and so, you know, I realized at an early age that, you know, I really wanted to get into architecture. So I went to school, um, Virginia Tech, and uh, moved out to Arizona in 2006 and really kind of dedicated my career to, to health care. Uh, about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. What was that decision about? Uh, it, I, I really enjoy the complexity of acute care facilities. So there, mm-hmm. there is a lot of planning. There are massive teams, as you've, you've heard today, that go into that. And um, part of one of my strengths is really building those teams and uh, having a lot of fun doing it, right? And so um, the, the complexities, the coordination, the ability to, you know, actually talk to the folks that are doing the work, um, you know, I don't have to be a master of, of everything anymore, right? We, we have the experts now, the, the contractual ability to bring them on to help inform the design, and I get to be in the middle of all that, right? So it's a, a really rewarding process. You still love it. I do. I do. Great. And so... <laughs> I can't say that I have a very intentional path into how I got into the business, but um, I, I had a, uh, I was in engineering in, in college, so I graduated with a civil engineering degree. Um, wasn't too uh, passionate about going into civil engineering as a career, so I, I ended up in the mechanical uh, subcontracting trade through a, a family friend, and after about 17 years, um, was really fortunate to uh, to go to work for, for TD, um, and it's just been... It's been a, a great, you know, two and a half years that I've been there. Um, it's it's funny. So another thing we talk about with as the as it relates to this particular project is how similar our company cultures are, mm-hmm. and how that's how that's acted yes. to really mesh. And and it's almost as if we have a common language. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you mentioned the the HRT, um, the, you yeah. know, the honesty, respectfulness, timeliness. Um, at TD, we like to say we're at the heart of your building. <laughs> so we. Uh, we have a lot of heart. I think that's really shown in, in this in this uh, endeavor for all of us. I think it's it's been important that 
that we've had sort of a language to, to communicate around. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been a really important part of it. You know, go ahead. Thank um, you, Jay. That's excellent. I, I wanted to add, I think this is appropriate. One of the things uh, I did want to just mention what the team did was we did our strength finders test. And you Yes, you told me yes. that. Tell us so about it. So we did, uh, it's uh, strength finders. Uh-huh. Uh, there's also another version called core clarity. Um, but what it does is really, it's a very simple test, but it identifies your strengths mm-hmm. as, as an individual and really how you think. Um, it's not an assessment or anything like that. There's no score. But what it does is explain not only to yourself for better self-awareness, but communicates to your partners that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did it individually. Um, and then as a team, it, it rolls up. And I'm not sure if we have a picture of it. Um, but our team strength, uh, three out of our top five strength are, is execution. So um, <laughs> that's this, good. This man to my left is uh, his first is an execution. Uh, I'm an activator, and yeah, I'm a positivity, positivity, <laughs> analytical, analytical. I'm woo. You're, you're I'm woo. woo. Okay, so you're uh-huh. woo. You, you know what this woo. is. Yeah. Um, but I really thought that was a really fun mm-hmm. thing for our team to go through because it's. Um, I love how you talked about the yes, if, but this is where you can now hear, you know, whether it's an email, whether it's a conversation, how many times you've left a conversation of, gosh, they're all, that individual is always like that. Well, look at their strength finders. Mm -hmm. That's the makeup of their DNA. They're not trying to do it intentionally or whether it could be a good thing, but that's where they live. And you can kind of now understand like, hey, wait a second, he has a real strength for maybe spreadsheets, you know, like maybe he could really help us out. The analytical one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, so, so Jay's, Jay's. Is that are, Jay's yeah, analytical? Yeah. yeah. So uh, have I got work for you, Jay? Yeah, Jay, Jay's definitely our spreadsheet guy, yeah. but I would encourage um, anyone uh, running projects and they could be um, internal teams for us. It was really, uh, really great to see because these are external partners Mm -hmm. um and when you talk about that company culture that's just another another thing to band our team together around so that was really fun that thank you for sharing that i think that's great most people uh, that i know of have taken some kind of an assessment strengths finder is a big Mm -hmm. one out there the other thing is values Mm -hmm. i start i don't care if it's a one-on-one executive coaching client or if i'm doing workshops we start with values Mm -hmm because those are your operating principles. Mm -hmm. So when you think about your values, you think about your strengths, uh, you think about your own experience and background culture, those three things. Um, And and so that's where we we really focused at the beginning of this project is on value and understanding, you know, we've got a a big team together here mm -hmm. and how do we all define value? How are we gonna define this project as successful? We, we often find that those ideas aren't shared until they're in direct conflict with each other. Um, and so by having that discussion early on and understanding how dignity is going to de- uh, define this as successful, how the facility is, how McCarthy is, how Davini is, how TDI, uh, we're much more likely to hit that, right? If we have an understanding of that, we use that as our, our compass. There's a saying that an airplane from New York to L.A. is off course 99% of the time, and it's through small course corrections that it winds up in L.A., right? And so we we treat that very similar to how we went about this process is we identified um, 
you know, when we had a, a conflict, we would go back to that value statement and that would be our compass to make those small corrections before we got way off course and uh, again, hold the line mentality. Yeah. Can I, can I jump in here with a story? Yeah. The, uh, I, I love that you said that because I, I can remember a story. Um, it is in a traditional project, we would, uh, it, we call it trend. Uh, you trend when you're going off course. That, that could mm. be either behind mm. schedule, that could be uh, going over budget, things like that. I remember sitting down um, in, a, in a review for this project and we didn't have a trend log. And a what? It, it was called a trend log. So we'll trend if we're going off course okay. or things like that. And the reason we didn't have a trend log is with the speed of trust. If you knew there was a correction to be made at any point in time, all of the team had ownership to fix it right away. Yeah. And, and that is one thing that, that I commend this team for is uh, I remember we had we were over budget in the lobby area and our estimator closed his computer and just left the office and was down at Davini's office within a half hour. And that's that's the difference of, mm. by the time it goes on a log, it was too late for this team. And and I really mean that uh, very sincerely. And, and Jay's group functioned like that, Eric's group functioned like that, and, and we as leaders, you know, that's the promoting, promoting that culture to, if it was on, again, if it was on a trend log, it was yeah. rework for Eric. I'm not a great partner if Eric is off course. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. it's very easy in this day and age to, oh, let's pass the risk over there, or that's their problem, is when I mentioned we owned it. It was mm -hmm. our problem too. Um, and I think that that really was one of the things that separated our team. Wow. You were over here laughing a minute ago yeah. for something, Pat. <laughs> well, I just like the way this project went. It was it was always, you know, when I sat down at the design meeting, I, I'd go to the weekly meetings. These folks were in constant communication, working from one mm -hmm. model, you know, talking to each other, on a, literally on a daily basis. And I would go on a weekly basis to kind of see the course corrections and see if they need any input to make sure they're going the right way. And what I really liked about this team was, if there was an issue, it was usually introduced with, we have a problem. Oh, we instead yeah, of not, you. Not you have uh -huh, a problem on uh -huh. the mechanical side or the electrical <laughs> side or, oh, you know, the, the, the gingerbread on the exterior of the building. You have a problem. No, it was we have a problem mm -hmm. and how are we going to work together to fix it? And that's the mentality and the culture that we had and that's what we nurtured. And I think that's why we are where we are now is that mindset and that culture and those values. And is that normal? Thank you for that. That's great. We're, is it normal for a team in the past, before this team, that they would have weekly meetings? I mean, daily meet, daily, mm -hmm. daily meetings, and that the boss would come in weekly. Is that normal? I wouldn't say I it, it's not mainstream by any stretch okay. of the imagination. I mean, uh, you know, the more traditional is design, bid, build. Mm -hmm. um, we recognize that that could lead to confrontation and ultimately longer more expensive projects so that's why we got into the design build format because it is collaborative you have to align yourself with similar cultures and values and once you do that things go much better and I, I embrace this delivery method and I would highly recommend it to anybody well you've got mm -hmm. a you've got a model now to mm -hmm. keep going mm -hmm. you're gonna keep mm -hmm. going aren't you I know you are <laughs> oh, yeah. We started talking and we didn't really finish about the leadership qualities that you think are needed to facilitate this trust. So let's let's keep going on that. Um, 
What else can you share? What leadership attributes are needed to facilitate trust? Take that, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, through the process, you know, we, we had a uh, incredibly high level of transparency. Yeah. Um, there were was it was critical that if there were issues that they were communicated timely. Um, you know, Eric's talked a lot about we can't be having you know um, design too far ahead of where the team is at, and so it was it was important that those issues were communicated very quickly. And I think I think you know having having that. Um, that forum where you can do that and where it's expected, mm -hmm. it, it drove a high level of accountability that, mm -hmm. that um, helped make the project successful. Okay. Yeah, as, as part of that, I think it's important to, to allow yourself to be vulnerable, right? We don't have all the answers. We, we're gonna be uncomfortable, um, but again, we have the people on the team that do know the answers. Uh, again, we wanna share incomplete information early and often. Uh, so that we can really drive the uncertainty out of the project. So I think vulnerability is a, a you know, we, we created a safe environment mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And again, that I think just when you see your partner doing that, mm -hmm. uh, it just builds trust very quickly. Well said. And, and I'll just, uh, uh, like a, an example of that is with any of the problems uh, in a traditional method, we really wouldn't want to disclose our problems. We call it our dirty laundry to our owner. <laughs> in this in this case, um, uh, we did, and not it's only. Uh, I mean, it's about being transparent, but also Pat was often able to assist us with providing a solution, yeah. and and had input. Pat has uh, amazing uh, experience, and why would we not welcome that in into our room? So I think it's it, again doing things different, being vulnerable. Where, where we know that um, there's no repercussions, that it is a safe zone. But at the end of the day, it promoted that, just that further engagement, that further being proactive. And a lot of these solutions, um, people came with solutions. Hey, we have some ideas, more mm -hmm. of like we want to bounce off, you know, the leadership team and things like that. So um, it really, the environment piece is well said. Thank you. And you, sir? Well, I would like to say that the leadership needs to establish and make sure that they communicate the goals properly. Yeah. Make sure that every under, everyone understands where are we trying to get to at the end of the day. And that has to be simple, it has to be concise, and it has to make sure that everyone has buy-in. Everyone has to look each other in the eye and say, mm -hmm. yeah, we agree, that's what we're going to do. Now, there, you know, there may be conflict. We embrace conflict. I like the passion. I like when people <laughs> debate. And I like, but at the end of the day, when we as a group decide the path to take, we don't want any passive aggressive. Uh, mm -hmm. Jay talked about, was it a, a hallway veto? Or someone says, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll go along. And then they go into the hallway and they go, there's no way in hell. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll tank everything. Yeah, yeah. So for sure. if you disagree, say you disagree, say why. Uh -huh. Give the merits of your argument, and we as a group will decide where we're going to move forward. But once we all decide, we embrace it and we go forward with that plan. And that's the way to do business. Makes perfect sense. Sounds yeah. simple. All right, we've <laughs> got about two minutes left. Pat always left. talks about no egos as well. No egos. no egos. I like that. No egos. All right, I have to end with one thing. Each of you, please give one piece of advice that's a teachable point of view to share with our listeners from your experience. Can I start, Pat, with you? Do you have to? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would say... Um, be honest, 
Treat people the way you would like to be treated. And have fun. Great. Thank you. Lee? For me, it's uh, the, the doing, doing things different. Um, it's being comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, we did a lot of things different, and uh, it took a lot. Not one person figured that out, whether it was the contract structure, whether it was the budget problems, things like that. So we did a lot of things different. And as leaders, it's hard to, to you know, change the, change the rule book uh, because a lot of success has come from the, the traditional rules. And I'm just very thankful that uh, um, we were given that opportunity to push the needle. Great. Thank you. Uh, Eric? Mine would be listen. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we've got a huge depth of knowledge uh, mm-hmm. that, that surrounds us. And uh, we may think we know the, the right way to do it. There are probably, you know, a dozen other ways to do the same thing. What's going to bring the most value? Let's listen to our partners and evaluate from there. Super. Thank you. So I, I kind of take something from each one of these guys. Um, <laughs> as a trade, as a trade contractor, we don't always get to see this process um, the way we got to see it in this particular case. So, to Eric's point, uh, you don't have to be the master of everything, right? It's it's leverage your resources. Have have the have show the leadership to to go out and, and bring those folks on early. Um, let the team let the team add value. Let the team guide the process. Uh, I think that's really where. Well, we saw a lot of benefit here is, is on that ability to leverage all those resources um, and have that access. And I think that really, at the end of the day, um, gave, gave the best outcome, provided the best outcome. This has been an incredible hour together. I am so glad all of you came in, and I appreciate it from Phoenix. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you. I know the listeners are taking a lot away from this, from uh, not only their industry, but in everything that you do, because they're doing it right. So until next time, stay authentic, be real, take into your thoughts about your own role, some of these things that they've shared, because it's all applicable. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.